Wallchat Talks. Our guest for today's podcast is a self-described recovering legal IT professional who has spent almost 25 years being an implementation partner for document management systems or DMSs as they are more commonly referred to. He has previously worked as a tech director for law firms before co-founding his own legal IT services business. Essentially, he has a ton of experience and we want to capitalize on that for today's show. Very happy to introduce you to Chuck Davis, Managing Director at Moray. Great to have you, Chuck. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Priya. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here today and uh, looking forward to doing this podcast interview with you in the group. We're extremely excited and I don't know if you know this, but our previous podcast was on uh, document management systems and the cloud. So this is a very good follow on podcast to that. So we're very excited about this. I saw I was excited to see that you interviewed Dan Dozen from iManage. So this is going to make a nice bookend from the software side to the implementation side. I know it's it, it's perfect for our audience. So I'm going to jump right into the questions and I'm going to start with like a pretty basic question here. You know, there are some legal tools that are just sort of plug and play, like a proofreading tool or a redaction tool or even some practice management tools. So why does a DMS require the entire implementation process? So if you could briefly tell us what exactly is involved in this implementation process, that would be helpful. Sure. Uh, the DMS, as you, as you understand, is a critical business application in, in a law firm, a corporate law department, or even in a professional services organization these days. And having a very defined project process that you go through will deliver a successful outcome and drive high user adoption for the community that's going to be adopting that software, specifically in this case, an iManage work platform. At Moray, we really believe that delivering a dedicated team, which follows a project process, is part of the secret sauce of what makes those projects so successful. What I'd like to do is maybe take a couple of minutes and walk the group through the order of operation that we follow when we take on a project. And I'll just step you through the phases and maybe we could talk a little bit about them, Priya, and, and how yeah, those phases are, are defined and important. So the first one's really simple. It, it's really project initiation. So having a good partner, they're going to come prepared with a solid plan. You know, having that project plan ready, knowing what the order of events will be, estimating the timeline, the risk factors of the project, and knowing what a good budget's going to look like is going to be critical. So for us, the, the very initial phase is bringing the customer to the table, starting with a hosted kickoff meeting, setting expectations, and making sure that the customer and the implementation partner are on the same page. And also equally important is weaving iManage into that plan because they're bringing the cloud tenant online and they're getting their systems ready. So it's really a, a tri-party agreement if you want to look at it that way, making sure that everybody's on the same same standpoint from a project initiation. I think that's a very good point and, and it's a brilliant starting point because I think if you have different people on different, uh, with you build that expectation gap and then it's really difficult to deal with later on. So if you start off with that, that sounds like a great start. Can't agree with you more. Expectations are so critical to projects, especially when they run over the duration of a business quarter on smaller projects or some of the larger ones we've done have taken over a year. So you really do want to get off on the right foot. The next phase that we move into after initiation is what we call discovery and requirements review. And it really depends on what type of iManage project we're doing as to what type of discovery we're, we're conducting for the customer. And I'll give you a, a couple of examples. If we're doing what the market has coined a lift and shift, where we're picking up an iManage on-premise project or an iManage on-premise system and moving that to the cloud, we're going to want to do some integrity checks against that iManage database. Is it healthy? Is it ready to go to the cloud? Are the documents and data in a format that are consistent with a cloud migration? And if they're not, 
we may have to do some cleanup or some preparation to get those things moving forward. If it's a net new installation, maybe a customer does not have a DMS, getting an understanding of what their business and technical requirements are, are critical to the success of the project. The greatest thing about iManage, and we like to say this all the time, is that the customer shouldn't change the way they work to conform to iManage, but iManage should be developed and designed in a way that meets their business requirements. And that oftentimes can do with their workflows, but it also could integrate into the applications and systems that they'll tie iManage to. And there's typically two ways to tie iManage together. There's what we call backend integrations, which typically are generation of workspaces from a time and billing system in a law firm, perhaps an ELM system within a corporate legal department. And on the front end, we see application integrations with your common apps, like your Microsoft Office, your Outlook email, and your PDF tools. But more and more, as attorneys are moving towards digital signature, tying systems in like DocuSign that complete the journey or the workflow of an e-signature process are becoming more and more critical. So we really need to gain a functional understanding of what that customer's environment looks like and what their intended outcomes and desires are so that we can move on to the next step of the project phase. Understood. That makes a lot of sense. Great. So that actually brings me to my next question, which is uh, in a large part of this process uh, is going to be conducted by the implementation vendor, but there is a fair amount that the client has to do at their end as well. So could you tell us a few things that the end user needs to think about before implementing a DMS? Sure. There are many things they have to think about, and it really segues well into the into the project phase. So as I continue thinking through the phases, there are a couple of more steps we have to go through. And the next one is the design planning element. And we will need direct input from the client specific to their security concerns, what they want the application, the UX to look like, the user experience. And in most cases, Priya, we're talking about workspace design, especially on re-engineering of iManage systems, or on net new installations. We're getting focus groups of people together. We're helping them make best practice decisions on what that folder taxonomy should look like, what those best practices should look like. And this is involvement from the business itself, right? The actual consumer of the application. But a customer should come with an expectation that there will be involvement from other teams or other departments of their business. Typically, we see the technology team get involved. They're giving us access to the data or the information that may be migrated, part of that backfile conversion. We often see the information security team getting involved to tie together their security standards, maybe their single sign-on systems, just making sure that all of that is working. In my mind's eye, when I think about an iManage project and I think about the phases that are important, really the design phase is the most critical. It's almost like if you're building a house or constructing a building, if you don't have your blueprints right and you don't have your layout right and you start moving data in, you're building a recipe for failure because you're going to have to re-engineer, re-provision content, and it's gonna affect user adoption and training. So really the design phase is the most critical phase of the project. Yeah, and from what I've heard, if you don't get that right, that also leads to a lot of delay because of all of the re-engineering that you spoke about. That's a really good point. Customers ask how long a project takes and you're dealing with human capital at that point. You're asking busy attorneys and business executives to leave their day-to-day -day job and give us some of their time. And sometimes it's demanding to get those people to come to those meetings, to come to a consensus for a decision, and to come back with you know a deliverable that says, this is what we like. But that's where having a really good implementation partner is critical because we know how to herd those cats. We know how to get them through those friction points. And we also bring to the table 
examples of past projects that have been successful so that the customer doesn't have to recreate the proverbial wheel. They could say, hey, we're litigators or we're real estate attorneys. We do something very similar to what you're showing us. And we just want to modify that a little bit. So others have come before them. And if we can repurpose that knowledge and work product, that can really help with the design. Once we get through that design, though, Priya, we move into the next steps of the project. And this is where it gets a little technical. This is where we get into what we call system configuration, meaning that we work with iManage, we bring that cloud tenant online, and it really goes back to that construction or real estate model. We're taking the blueprint or the floor plan of what the firm or the business imagined, and we're building or framing the house to make it look that way. So the integrations are happening, the workspaces are being created, the metadata and security models are being laid out to mirror what the customer is looking for. This way, we're in perfect preparation for the final steps of the project, and those are around testing and data migration. And data migration could be as simple as we're coming in and we're taking nothing with us, that's not really our recommended approach. We like to see the business bring their data with them, whether it's from iManage or another system, because it creates a, a sense of adoption. iManage is fully searchable, so they can really get more value out of their work product by migrating it. And it takes away the crutch of having people go back to a legacy system. So there are a variety of ways that we could talk about where we tackle data migration, but having a solid test plan and making sure that the system is having a quality control process. And I explained to a customer that when we do a design, if an attorney envisioned that the folder name should be email and it's spelled capital E hyphen little m for the word mail, the way we check and the way we build should be to that level of detail in addition to the security, the metadata and the application configuration. So in the testing phases, we are testing as the vendor, we're providing baseline functionality, making sure that we're delivering a working and properly configured system. But we do go through a UAT or a user acceptance testing phase to ensure that the customer has hands on the system and they wanna make sure that it looks and feels and it tastes essentially like what they envisioned. It's almost like Priya going out and purchasing a new car you want to take it for a test drive before you take it home permanently, right? So you want to know that iManage meets your business requirements, that it's designed properly. And at that point, we're getting very close to go live, where we can train the users, do some education. Uh, we often find that communication planning is critical to the success of a project. So helping a business know what to say, how to broadcast the messaging about the change management and the psyche of an attorney, right? The way that attorneys think are different than everyday people, right? We're different types of professionals. So understanding how to help a business get over that change management effect and then ultimately go live through the project at a very high level. That's that's really what makes an iManage project successful. Understood. So a lot of the DMS projects for existing customers involve moving from an on-premise solution to a cloud solution. And from what you were saying, that is sometimes the kind of projects that you get. So what does this process look like and how complicated is it? I, I ask because I know a lot of firms want to make that shift, but for whatever reason are unable to get everything else in place to prepare for that shift. So this is what we would call the proverbial lift and shift, picking up the on-premise technology and moving it to the cloud. However, with that said, a lot of customers, especially surrounding the iManage recent end-of-life announcement, and just for those that aren't aware, iManage is retiring support for the classic clients, FileSite and DeskSite, come next year in 2023, starting in June. We'll, we'll seize this opportunity for the cloud migration to also modernize the application, meaning that they're going to fundamentally move away from classic client to perhaps work 10. So there are a couple of concerns here that you want to consider. 
The lift and shift itself, not to make it sound simple because it really isn't, but after doing 350 or more of them, we've kind of got a process that works and we've leveraged consistently the legacy Prosperoware, now Latera cloud migration tool. And that tool gives us a lot of flexibility. We could point that tool against the on-premise iManage systems and we could migrate the workspaces, the folders, the documents, the metadata, the security, like for like directly from on-prem to the cloud. But what really makes that great is that the Prosperoware tool uses a transformational database. So we're not making any real changes to the on-premise content. And it gives us the luxury of doing what we call an alpha delta migration. A good example might be, you know, an AMLAW law firm may have hundreds of millions of documents, and there's never going to be enough time to move them over a weekend. So having the ability to do what we call a seed or an alpha import, meaning that all of the documents they have are brought into the cloud. And then based on their change rate, it could be daily, it could be weekly, we can do a Delta Priya, meaning that every document that's been added, versioned, or modified stays lockstep and barrel in sync with the cloud. So at the point of go live, or what I like to call the inflection point of the project, all that customer needs to do with the help of Moray is run the last Delta and move the super minority of their data to the cloud. And that also brings up the transformation of the client, right? That's gonna be a user changing impact. And one of the lines I love to tell people that use legacy iManage is that if you go to the new iManage Work 10 client, it's kind of like your mother-in-law came over and rearranged your kitchen cabinets. Everything's there. I like that analogy. It's, it's, it's kind of in a different spot for you, right? The glasses and the silverware are in different areas, but the fundamentals are there. So having a good partner or having a good training vendor on board that's going to prepare them to do that. And what we've seen as a recipe for success is many large firms will upgrade that client or modernize while they're still on-premises. This way, when they go live and they do their upgrade to the cloud, it really becomes more or less a transparent migration and not a transformation in technology. Hopefully that helps the group understand how we're seeing these projects flow. Yeah, I actually feel like you almost answered my next question as well, which was on migration. But uh, I'm going to ask it because I believe that uh, maybe a couple of other aspects that you may want to address, because we were talking about more from moving from on-prem to the cloud, uh, possibly just on the same system. But here I'm talking about where, you know, there are some instances where a firm has asked you to come in and migrate them for an, an existing DMS or a practice management solution, which could be SharePoint or anything else, to a new DMS. And obviously the crit most critical parts of this process is keeping the same data available to the lawyers in the system during the switchover. So what have you found to be most helpful in thinking about and planning for this migration? So data migrations in, in modern law firms and modern law departments are what I like to refer to as a solar system. 10, 15 years ago, or when I got my start in legal IT back in the late 80s, <clears throat> everything was in one place, right? It was hopefully in a DMS or maybe a file share, but you're exactly correct. We're coming from unstructured data. We're coming from SharePoint. We're coming from other cloud-based systems. So having a plan of what we like to call a data transformation plan, where is the sources? What is the data coming from? How much of that data will be moved over to iManage? Because it's easy to say, let's pick up the iManage system and move it to the cloud. But if you're bringing file shares in, that unstructured data is a little bit more challenging. So you may want to say, I want today minus five years or minus seven years. I want Excel documents and Word documents, but I don't want to take PowerPoints, for example. So at Moray and at Legacy Adaptive, we have built tools and utilities that will interrogate or attach to those other systems that are not iManage and will automate and streamline the ability to bring that data over. We also have strategies specifically around file shares as to what is the best practice for bringing unstructured data into an iManage system 
knowing that the iManage cloud is going to want at least a high level workspace and folder structure to bring that data over. And what a lot of customers come to the table with is this grand idea that they can take all of their file shares, and I call that the wild, wild west, because all of those people save data the way that was comfortable to them, but it's not consistent. And they think they want to white glove or map that into the workspaces and folders. And oftentimes, specifically at a law firm, Priya, it's cost prohibitive because a lot of those things are closed matters, the firm has earned their fee, and it would involve a lot of user input or domain knowledge to figure out that mapping. So our strategy often has been to take that unstructured data and chunk it up and bring it into workspaces that mirror the folder taxonomy where it's being ingested, it's being imported, it's getting a document number, and it's also becoming full text searchable. And it's also cutting off the branch of the old file share structure so that legal IT administrators can take those old systems down and encourage those users to use iManage moving forward. I'm sure that's not an easy process. And you know, even to get the lawyers on board, I don't know how they manage that and how they shift from one system to, system to the other. It's it's a little bit of carrot and stick, right, Priya? We have to be nice and then we have to push a little bit when we need to. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, you know, we always think of DMS as being a solution for law firms, but that's changing today. We see a lot of corporate legal departments also opting for a DMS. What do you think, Chak, are the major driving forces for a corporate legal department to move to a DMS? I would agree with you. We just came off of legal week, the end of the winter, and I did a executive briefing for a group of uh, law firm technology managers. And we were looking at the numbers that we have been doing with iManage over the past year. And new logos, the largest amount of net new installations are coming in the corporate legal space. From a law firm standpoint, they look at document management as copper plumbing in, in the house, right? They believe it's always been there. But I think what's driving a lot of this is large corporations are being asked to do more in-house. So they're going out to the market, they're hiring more staff attorneys, they're bringing in general counsels that have come from law firms that have used iManage, and they're asking when they come in the door, where's my document management system? And what corporate IT is saying is, hey, we've got SharePoint, hey, we've got these other systems for you to use, but they're not really built and designed and more importantly, maintained to manage the workflows that the legal professional uses. So I think that shift in the business market and how we see business conducting is pushing people to bring iManage into corporate legal settings more and more. So just to follow up on that, uh, for a corporate legal department, one often finds that in addition to a DMS, they often also want a contract lifecycle management tool. And at one more, you offer both types of solutions. So I was wondering if you could throw a little bit of light on how these two different solutions complement each other for a corporate team. This is the $10,000 question. And in corporate, we are asked this all the time. And the customer comes to the table and they really don't know what they don't know. They think they need a document management system, but their requirements dictate a CLM. And sometimes, Priya, they actually need both. So there are fundamental differences between these tools. And I will mention, I hope this is okay, that uh, Moray will be hosting a webinar, I believe, this June where we'll be digging in deeper to comparing and contrasting what is a CLM versus what is a leading legal document management and where is their overlap. But some high level examples, building a single source of truth, building a searchable repository, having a collaborative system, that's document management, that's building in the workflows for productivity. But when you have tasks that you need to do that are obligation tracking and that surround contract assembly and things of that nature, you're looking more in the CLM world. So there is a little bit of ambiguity between the two systems, but that is a power of One More A, is that we have teams that can help the business determine 
which tools do they need? We do a lot of work with iManage, and hopefully it's okay to mention that we do an equal amount of work with DocuSign, who has an amazing platform for legal CLM. And I would encourage the audience, if they have availability this summer, to be on the lookout for our upcoming CLM versus DLM webinar series. That sounds very interesting, and I think would be useful for a lot of corporates to get, attend. We would, we would invite them to join, and we will be publicizing it, and I'll make sure to get you a copy of the invitation. Great. Count me in. My last question is a bit personal. So you co-founded Adaptive way back in 1998 and ran it till it was acquired by Moray in August of last year in 2021. So for about 23 odd years, you were used to running your own business with your partners. What was your first reaction when you received the acquisition offer or interest? Were you ready to sell the business or were you more hesitant? Was it more like this is my baby that I have nurtured for so long? I'm not ready to sell yet. What was your first reaction? Well, it certainly was my baby. I squeezed adaptive solutions out of my loins back in 1998. I tell people, Priya, that that year I quit my job, I built my house, I married my wife, and I started a technology consulting company all within a six-month window. Oh I don't God. think it, at this age, at 51 years old, that I'm prepared to do that again. But my first reaction uh, when I was approached, and I will share with the group that Matt Crocker from Legacy Phoenix Business Systems had approached me and talked to me about an opportunity of bringing our companies together to build a powerhouse of a transformation consulting company. Uh, we knew this market was shifting. We knew that large illegal would be moving to the cloud and we knew they would need a global provider. So Moray had the UK market covered. They had APAC covered through Trinity Systems. And we were gonna be asked to join for the US beachhead since Adaptive was the partner of the year and doing some really good work in that space. So my first reaction was flattered uh, that we would be entertained to be part of that team. And then it became curious and then it became a little nervous. And it, the process happened for us during the COVID pandemic. So it took a little longer than most transitions happen. But I will share with the group that at the end of the day, I found out that the transaction closed when I was away with my family on a cruise ship on vacation in uh, in August of last year, as you said. And it was a very interesting time. And my, my wife and my two daughters got to celebrate while we were away. So it was exciting times. And I will say, looking back now that I've been here and it's coming up on a year, it was a very good business decision. The culture, um, the, the business that we're providing to the market, I enjoy what I do. And we're still making a meaningful impact in the legal technology community. And we enjoy working with the group that I manage. So thank you very much. That's a wonderful story. It, I mean, you were already celebrating on the yacht and then you get the confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had them send champagne, Priya. My wife and daughters didn't even know why the champagne was on the table. Wow, that's nice. Anyway, that brings us to the conclusion of today's episode. Thanks again, Chuck, for your time. We've all learned a lot about the implementation process. It's been very, very insightful. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking us to be a part of the series. And we look forward to seeing the, uh, the piece published. Sure.